0: So I'm happy to be here. It's a privilege to be here, but it's a privilege to be here with you. This morning, I want to talk about truth. This morning, I want to talk about truth. If you have your Bibles, please open them and turn to John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, ask your neighbor to read on with him. I'm going to be reading a passage from verse 31 to 36. You got it? Almost. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, And the truth will set you free. Everybody say, truth Truth. will set set you free. All right. They answered him and said, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved by anyone. How is it that you say that we will become free? And Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not stay in the house forever. The son remains forever. So, if the sun sets you and I free, we are free indeed. So, I said I want to talk about truth, and this passage is packed with truth. As a matter of fact, when Jesus says, truly, truly, it's not a passive statement. It is, listen, this is important. Today, the sermon's topic and title is, In the Name of Truth. Did you know that there's two forms of truth? I'm going to give you two definitions. The first definition is absolute truth. And it says this, perfectly embodying the nature of a thing. In this context, we are talking about Jesus. Now we deal with relative truth. And the definition of this is defined as the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relationship to culture, society, and historical context, and are not absolute. Listen, if anything that you come away with today, the essence of this sermon, the thesis of the sermon, is that Jesus is the absolute truth, and absolute truth will change your life forever. Say this with me, absolute truth, absolute truth will, change your life will change your life forever. Jesus is the absolute truth. I have three points to go through and I would encourage you as I'm going through them to write down some notes, to write down the references of scripture so that you can go and study it for yourself and through today, this week, your life. The first point is, Truth is not a static concept. We just said that Jesus is the absolute truth. So we know that he lived. He lived a life just like ours. He died. He was buried. He rose again. Those are all actions. Truth is not a static concept. Now, as a matter of fact, I brought with me something it's this horse. This horse is older than I am. When I was a kid, this horse sat on a shelf. As a matter of fact, I'll just put it on this shelf. It sat on a shelf, and I called it Black Beauty because I knew the story, and I knew the movie Black Beauty. But here's the point of the significance of this horse. My father made this horse. I've had it. All of this time. When I look at this horse specifically that sits on my shelf at home, it reminds me of him and the relationship that him and I had. But here's the other side of truth is not a static concept. I can't look at this horse and expect that I will have a living, growing, fruitful relationship with my father. I can only have a concept, a remembrance of who he was. There is no way for me to enter into a living relationship with him anymore. I can only look at this horse and the beauty that it is. Now, here's here's another point. This is what the Jews were doing. They were relying specifically on Abraham for their righteousness. We've heard that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So the Jews say, hey, guess what? Abraham had righteousness. So that means we do too. But that's not the truth. And Jesus encounters them with that. He says, no, you don't have righteousness because only if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I give you righteousness. You cannot rely upon, say, your family member, or you may have heard, well, my grandmother was a Christian and she prayed for me all the time, so that means that I'm good with the big man upstairs. No, you're not. You're not good with the big man upstairs. You're only good with him when he makes you right with God. When you have a relationship with God. When you have a relationship that is transformational, intimate with Jesus. Ellicott's commentary for English readers says this about the interaction with the Jews and Jesus. These Jews professed to know truth and to be official expounders of it. They had yet to learn that truth was not only a system, but also a power, not only something to be written or spoken, but also something to be listened, felt and lived. Felt and lived means there's an action too this truth that we're talking about that the Jews missed. Now, the Greek word in this, in verse 31, the Greek word for know is gnosko. Here's the cool thing about gnosko, and here's even the most beautiful thing about Jesus saying, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What he's saying is we will be allowed to be aware of to feel, to absolutely know, to have knowledge of, to perceive, to be resolved, can speak and be sure and have an understanding absolutely. When he says, you will know, he's saying, you will know me absolutely. There is no other suggestion. My second point is this. Jesus is the absolute truth. We just talked about that in the key takeaway. Write this down. John 14, verse 5 through 8. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. It changes from you knew of him to now you know him absolutely because of your relationship with me specifically. But this is not Jesus' suggestion. He doesn't say, well, I am a way, a truth, a life. Maybe, just maybe, you'll get to the Father by me. I'm not quite sure. That's not what he says. He makes an absolute statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. No one enters into a relationship except through Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration. Excuse me. And so, let's say that you and I are on a road trip, and we're traveling along, and all of a sudden, things just don't look familiar anymore. And I say to you, hey, do you know where we're at? And you say, well, I think I know where I'm at. Maybe if I take a right turn up here, we'll get back to where we need to be. Or maybe if we keep going five miles, we'll then find a rest stop or we'll get back on track. Well, it's getting dark outside and we're in the forest and there's bears. I don't need time to have you say maybe. I have no rest in that. I have no assurance in that. So this is important. None of us want to be left with a question of what's really happening. So we have a decision to make. We have a question to ask. Do I or will I trust who Jesus says that he is? And do I believe that I can know Him? We've said no is absolute. Do I I believe I can know Him? Well, this is Jesus' answer to that question. So, John 17, 3. If you want to write that down or just go there. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, we just said that Jesus is the absolute truth. We've said that Jesus, we're, we're able to know him absolutely. He invites us into that. But here's the third point. Only those who abide in Christ can know him absolutely. The, the bare truth is, if you're outside of Christ today, that you only know of him. You do not have access to, to know him absolutely and intimately. But the good news is that he's calling you to know him in this way. The word abide in verse 31 literally means to continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, and stand. Now I used to think that I can know in this, in the context that we're speaking, anybody, and that anybody could know me. However, when my desire was met with rejection or silence, I became very very discouraged because I wanted to be known and I wanted to know. I wanted intimate relationship. But over time, I have learned, and I'm still learning this lesson, that there are only a few people in my life that I can and should enter into this type of relationship, this knowing relationship. There are two people in this room right now that I have a relationship like that. One is Greg McCormick. He's my brother, he's my mentor, he's my friend. He's invited me into his life to know him. I've invited him into my life to know me. The true me, absolutely. And the other is Ryan Stevens. He has invited me to know him. And I have invited him to know me. There is complete vulnerability to know someone. If you are invited and you are invited to know Jesus, it comes with a vulnerability. These relationships that I have with Greg and Ryan are transformational, they are intimate. And they're the only way that we will get to know each other completely, absolutely. And that is the only way you or I will ever get to know Jesus. You can either know about him or you can know him because you know him and he knows you. Now, the primary relationship for us all is in Jesus all of us, whether you are in Christ or you are outside of Christ. He calls those who are in him closer to his heart, and he calls those outside of him to come to repentance, to know him and be reconciled to the Father. He calls us to know him in this intimate, vulnerable way. Now, John fifteen five says this, "'I am the vine, and you are the branches.'" Abide in me, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If, if I focus only on this horse that my father made, I will remain in a stagnant, wanting relationship, but not a growing, healthy, transformational, intimate, vulnerable relationship. Jesus is calling us to know him Absolutely, because he is absolute truth. So, we dwell in the truth. We are, we endure in the truth. We are present in the truth. We remain in the truth. And we stand in and with Jesus, who is eternal truth, who is living truth, who is saving truth, who is the absolute truth, who invites us to know him, and for him to know us, that is who he is, and he's calling us to be in that relationship with him. Let's pray right quick. As a matter of fact, if there is anybody in here that does not know Jesus. I I challenge you and I invite you to surrender your heart to him so that in the relationship of knowing, you may also absolutely know that anywhere that you go in life, anywhere that you continue to abide in him, he will be and he will be your life. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Even more so, we thank you for allowing us, inviting us to know who you are. We thank you, Father, for sending your son, for your son to reconcile us to yourself, to enter into this relationship that is transformational, that is life-giving, that is not just an idea, but that is a truth to be lived. We ask that you have blessed this food also, and the people who have prepared it, and the provider. In Jesus' name, amen. William Bynum, that was great, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you.